Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, Two Under, Ben Hogan Golf, Golf Pride, Srixon and their Z-Star Golf Balls, and the Sandiston Resort. Now here is your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and welcome to this week's edition of Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and tonight I have three more great guests, and I'm very excited that I get the opportunity to share with you. First up is going to be four-time winner on the PGA Tour, Tim Simpson. Tim has become a really wonderful friend of the show over the last several months. He's got so many great stories from his nearly 35 years of playing professionally. He was he not only won on tour, he fought back from injuries. He's been named Comeback Player of the Year. Tonight, I want to get his perspective on a few things. First of all, the PGA Tour's wraparound season. What do you think of that? What was that like? You know, it certainly wasn't that way before. Heck, right now, we'd be... Looking forward to silly season on the PGA Tour back in the day with the Skins games and the and the Shark Shootout and then the Wendy's Three Tour Challenge and that sort of thing. So I want to get Tim's ideas about that. Plus, I want to talk about his win at the 85 Southern Open and the 89 USF&G Open as well. Plus, you know, being right in the thick of things back at the 1990 US Open. And Tim has been known, you know, over the course of his career as one of the great ball strikers. You talk about any legend around the game when Tim was there. And they're going to tell you what a great ball striker he was. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more when he joins me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from Golf Fry Channel Marketing Manager Charlie Fisher. They've got some great new grips coming out, folks. And, you know, we're going to talk about all of those. And I have to tell you, I'm loving their new Pro Series putter grips, in particular, the Blue Star. It's 81 cc's. It's got a nice wide, you know, flat front on it for your thumbs and, you know, makes it real nice and comfortable. Plus the back has got some really nice fit for where your finger joints are going to fit. So it really is a great way to get connected to the putter. So I want to talk about that. And you guys know how much I love their MCC Plus 4 Align Grips. I've got those on all of my clubs, so we'll talk about that. And uh, Charlie's always such a wonderful guest, very informative. Looking forward to having him on the show with me. He'll join me a little bit later on in this half hour. And then we're going to round out tonight's show with a return visit from our resident, if you will, Director of Instruction, Tom Patry. Tonight, I'm going to get Tom's thoughts about the wraparound season as well. Who he thinks should be the PGA Tour Player of the Year. Big debate going on right now between Rory McIlroy and Brooks Kepka. And keep in mind, the PGA of America has already named Brooks Kepka as their Player of the Year. And as you would think he would, right? He, they, he won the PGA Championship two years in a row. So, of course, he's going to win that. But uh, who do the PGA Tour players think is the Player of the Year? So we'll talk about that. Plus, want to get his thoughts on the upcoming Solheim Cup, right? With the dominance of the Asian players out on the LPGA Tour, would it be a better matchup? Now, the Solheim Cup is just like the Ryder Cup, right? So it's the U.S. versus the European players. So would, is it time for the LPGA Tour to have like a President's Cup sort of thing where it's the U.S. versus the rest of the world? Because, again, the Asian players are dominating the LPGA, so they should get their opportunity to be in a team event. So we'll talk about that as well. Tom will join me about 45 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories and playing lessons coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Teen, as always. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, I always like to remind you about a couple of great podcasts. First of all, Talking Golf Getaways with my friend Mitch Lawrence and his co-host Darren Bunch. They're going to let you know about great places to go 
stay, play, and even eat and drink when you're out there. You can stream their podcast over on GolfTripX.com, and that's the letter X, so GolfTripX.com. Also available on Audioboom, StitcherandPlayer.fm as well. Go there, check out their show, and learn about some of the hidden gems that we have around the country. His twin brother, Matthew, also has a great golf show. It's called Backspin Golf. That show airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time on WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky. You can stream the show online by going to WLXG.com or doing what I did, which is download the WLXG app and stream it right there on your smartphone. Matthew always makes this show so much fun to listen to. A lot of great golfing content as well. It's a great way to kick off your Sunday mornings. Again, it's called Backspin Golf, and you can stream it online by going to WLXG.com or on the WLXG app. And, folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear from Steve Rondonero about what they've got going on this summer. It's a Pete Dye masterpiece, the Pete Dye course at French Lick Resort. Pete says its location on one of the highest points in Indiana makes it special. The long views, you can see many 20, 30 miles from many of the fairways and many of the tees and greens. And, and you can see it in 360 degrees. Donald Ross's hill course put French Lick on the golf map more than 100 years ago. It's where Walter Hagen won the 1924 PGA Championship and the place where today's Symmetra Tour ladies battle each year. It's the ambience around it that makes the golf course. Combine our many resort amenities with legendary golf and you have a getaway like no other. French Lick Resort is the home of the Senior LPGA Championship, won in 2018 by World Golf Hall of Famer Laura Davies. Play the course's champions play. Plan your trip now, online at FrenchLick.com. Yeah, folks, go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a beautiful place they have up there, all the great golf courses. And oh, by the way, they've got a casino right there on the property as well. And well, folks, TaylorMade Golf has done it again. The TaylorMade M5 and M6 drivers are a tremendous story. They both feature speed-injected twist face created through a revolutionary manufacturing process where every single head, and folks, you hear me say it all the time, yes, every single head is injected and calibrated to the threshold of the legal limit. So basically, every head is made to be tour spicy, so speed for all of us. Check it out online by going to TaylorMadeGolf.com. And also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. They've got their new fall collection out right now. And you're going to see guys like Steve Stricker, Stricker Miguel Angel Jimenez, and Ernie Els out there wearing it on tour. Check it out online by going to bobbyjones.com and see for yourself what a wonderful new fall collection they've got. And enter the code NEXT on the T at checkout. It's going to save you 10% as well. All right, folks, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is four-time winner on the PGA Tour, Tim Simpson. And let me remind you about Tim's background. He's from right here in Atlanta, Georgia, played his college golf at the University of Georgia, where he lettered in 1975 and 76. He was an honorable mention All-American in 75 and a third-team All-American in 76, and he was named first-team All-SEC both seasons. While at Georgia, Tim won the 1975 Palmetto Intercollegiate Tournament and the 1976 Southern Amateur. He finished 21st in the NCAA championship back in 1975 and 14th in 76. Turned pro the next year in 77. Like I say, he won four times on the PGA Tour at the 85 Southern Open, the 1989 USF&G Classic, and back-to-back years at the Walt Disney World Oldsmobile Open in 89 and 90. He's collected five other professional wins, including five Georgia Opens and the Casherall World Championship over in France. 
He had two top 10 finishes in majors, both coming in 1990 at the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. He was named Comeback Player of the Year in 1989. In 90, he was named the Georgia Professional Athlete of the Year. And in 2004, he was inducted into the State of Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. 2006, inducted into the Georgia Golf Association Hall of Fame as well. And named Comeback Player of the Year on the Champions Tour. And I'm very excited that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Tim, how are you, my friend? I'm great, Chris. Thank you for all the accolades. <laughs> You're welcome. Tim, I want to start our time tonight. I want to get you to talk quickly on the on the PGA Tours wraparound season. I'm going to be talking a little bit about that tonight on the show. You know, when you were out on tour, this, this seemed like this was getting into the time of sort of silly season, right? We had the, the Skins games back then. We had the Shark Shootout. We had the Wendy Street Tour open. Those sorts of things were happening are getting ready to happen this time of year. What are your thoughts on the on the PGA Tour wraparound? Is it is it good or is it too much of a good thing for the players? I think it's too much. I, th- I think it's kind of kind of uh, oversaturation, in my opinion. Um, and I don't know. I, this time of year, uh, I was thinking about deer hunting. You know, anything I could hunt with a bow and an arrow. So, you know, November, December was typically, I mean, although it's not there yet, but that was typically our time to rest, rejuvenate, spend time with the family, do some hunting, go on a family vacation. And now it's like nonstop. And uh, I don't know, it's traditionally you watch, it seems the same players that play good in the silly season, and then they go into a slump. Uh, the first five or six months of the regular tour season next year. And in my opinion, I think their body's just saying, hey, I was looking forward to some rest. You know, and, and I, I think it's too much of a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah, and that, that's, you know, was, was sort of curious. Like, you know, this time of year for you, you mentioned you were, you know, out hunting. But I imagine at some point your body needed to just take, take a break and you put the clubs in the garage or wherever for a couple of months and just let your body rest and recuperate to continue to play almost all year round. I would think eventually would start taking a toll on your body. Would it not? Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, any physical therapist will tell you that you're much more apt to pull or tear a muscle when it's fatigued. And I think uh, your body just breaks down. I mean, you look at, look at the best pitchers in the world, the major league. I mean, they have to rest. And, you know, resting for three days or four days or five days, whatever it is, they're not throwing 100 balls each day, staying sharp. You're resting. And I think your body needs it. But i tell you something. When, you know, back in the day, I played a lot of tournaments. And, of course, you know, the kids today are in astounding shape. But we weren't in bad of shape in our era. And I would be honest and tell you that my mind took as much fatigue as my body. Um, when I would come off the road after playing like three tournaments in a row, you wake up Monday morning and it's the normal go, 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 go. And then Tuesday, it was like you crashed. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you just felt like you had the flu or like, like I did in all these years with Lyme disease. But then all of a sudden, Saturday, you'd start feeling good again. Then Sunday, you'd feel great. And then uh, Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, you're jumping on a plane going to the next tournament. So it takes your body time to wind down and to recoup. I mean, you truly get mentally exhausted as well. 
And it's interesting that you mentioned that, Tim, because I read that you once said the hardest thing to do in sports is to play with a quiet mind so that you can let your body play instinctively. So now you got both of those things, right? Now you got mental fatigue and you got stuff going on in your mind. Talk about the challenges around trying to figure out a way to quiet your mind down. Well, as you, as you know, Chris, uh, Tom Kite and I were Bob Rotella's first students on the PGA Tour in, oh, probably 83 or so. And uh, I still we're still dear friends. I still ask him questions concerning my competition archery. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter what sport you're competing in, whether you're kicking field goals, throwing baseball pitches, batting, serving a tennis ball, it doesn't matter. It is all the same mind. And I will believe till the day I die that you will always perform your best when your mind is the quietest. And I battle it in competitive archery. I shoot bare bow. I shoot long bows and recurves. No sights, nothing fancy. And I can do a great job of keeping my mind quiet when it, there's nothing on the line. And then, you know, I shot the world championship last month, and it's like the mind's like, don't do this, don't do that. Make sure you do this. And, you're, <laughs> and your subconscious is saying, what in the heck? Leave me alone, <laughs> you know? So it, yeah. it's, it's all the same mind. That's something you ought to keep in mind in the future, you know, and talking to people. It's all the same mind. It doesn't matter. You don't think when you brush your teeth. Probably the best quote I've heard in the last five or seven years was in a uh, sports psychology book, a self-help type book, and it wasn't written by Bob. It was written by somebody else. He said uh, someone asked him to describe the conscious mind. He said it's, it's quite simple. When was the last time you missed your mouth with a fork? And I'm like, wow, <laughs> that is subconscious. Yeah. Tim, I want to switch gears a little bit. And, you know, one of the things that's been attributed to you, one of the things that's been attributed to you over the course of your playing career is what a great ball striker you were. You ask any of the, you know, the greatest legends of the game, the the Jack Nicholas's and Lee Trevino's, Arnold Palmer's, those guys would tell you that Tim Simpson was one of the great ball strikers, one of the best they ever saw. What do you attribute that to? What made you such a great striker of the golf ball? Two things, and it's funny that we're touching on a quiet mind. I think I had as quiet a mind when it came to the golf swing as anybody that ever played the game. I focused on target like a laser, and I trusted my swing. I had a very simple and repeatable swing, and I remember it wasn't the prettiest swing. My swing was never as beautiful as Tom Percher's or Payne Stewart's or some others, but it was just very simple. And whereas most players would get on for one or two weeks, you know, I would get on for six weeks at a time. And as you know, I'm not in the book, The Greatest Putters in History. <laughs> it was just it was just a matter of if I made a few putts that week, I finished top five or top ten, you know. But, um, yeah, I think the quieter you can keep your mind. Now, obviously, you got to do your homework. you got to do your time in the gym, which is on the practice day. You know, and you've got to develop a repeatable, efficient golf swing. I can't emphasize efficient enough. And I think, quite honestly, if if Jordan Spieth called me tonight and said, I'm just curious, what do you think is the matter with my driving? I'd say, 
without changing anything, I, there's one or two things I would change, but without changing anything, I'd back it down and start swinging 85%. I think the kids today overswing. I think it's it, it's like we don't care if we hit it three fairways over. I'm going to be hitting a wedge back over the trees on the green. And my argument, Chris, and I think you'll like this, is if, if you own a Ferrari and you run it at 7,500 RPMs all the time, it's just a matter of time before it blows up. That's much more efficient if you run it at a normal 3,500 RPMs. And to me, the kids on tour today are just, I mean, it hurts me to watch them swing. After three back surgeries, my back don't like watching them swing. <laughs> so, Tim, is, is that what you mean by an efficient swing? Is that the, is that the RPMs? Is that the, the rate at which we're swinging? Or what do you mean by having a more efficient swing? Efficient is repeatable. I swing repeated day after day, week after week, month after month. And I can remember all the way back in 1990, Golf Digest came to the TPC, and that was just the top 150 players in the world without the money list. And they asked all of us to, to hit balls for them, and they took all kind of computer calculations and this and that. And I remember Tom Ness, who was on the Golf Digest panel for many years, he told me years later, he said, Nobody, nobody was even remotely close to keeping the club going down the target line as long as you. He said the only person remotely close was Nick Price, and he said he was about two light years away. And that was wow. why I went – I mean, I played 32 tournaments a year, and I did a Golf Channel show, and I went um, from um, – I went seven years on the PGA Tour, 220-plus tournaments, and never hit a ball out of bounds. That's a lot wow. of straight driving. Yeah, it is. Yeah, a lot of. So, <laughs> I wish so, I, I wish I'd made a few more putts. You hit on something a moment ago. You talked about you know you trusted your swing, and I think that's a place where a lot of we amateurs get in trouble, right? I mean. Since we're not out there beating a thousand golf balls during the week on the tour or on the uh, on the range and that sort of thing, we we second guess ourselves sort of mid swing, right? We decel, and that's when we start to chunk it or we come out of it or we're doing that because we don't trust what's going to happen. We second guess ourselves. Getting back to the quiet mind, we second guess ourselves during the course of the swing. Did you have some swing keys or some things that you did that allowed you to trust it because you had that same routine over and over again? Well, I tell you, it's funny because Golf Digest came to me. I was already sick with Lyme's disease, but I was still playing on the regular tour. And they wanted me to give them my swing secrets. And I said, you know, I'm not quite ready yet. You know, give me a few years, and when I retire, I'll be happy to. Well, by then, I was a has-been, and they weren't interested. But I was always a leg player. I believe today that the downswing is totally initiated by the legs. And they say 90% of all amateurs worldwide slice the ball. And the typical amateur swing is, you know, Chris, they take it back to the top, the legs stop, they start over the top with the hands, and it's over. I mean, now it's just hang on for dear life, because if you release it, it's going to be the worst duck hook you've ever seen. So, and the other thing, the other thing was, is simultaneously as my left leg started driving, I pull with the last three fingers of my left hand. 
that was my key. And I grew up, you'd probably be shocked, even though I'm sure you're a, a high-level player, at how lightly I grew up the club. And I worked for 20 years with Sam Snead. I was, he was like a grandfather to me. And Sam gripped it literally, like you used to say, like he was holding a baby bird. But I gripped it firm in the last three fingers of the left hand, firm being a five on a one to ten, not an eight. The other fingers were light. And then the right hand, it was literally like I was holding my granddaughter's hand. It was just barely on the club. And I have the same trait that uh, VJ had in his prime, and I've seen it in several other players, where my my index finger and thumb actually come off the club right before impact. And, uh, I mean, I'm just really? holding it like a baby. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I was giving a lesson to a friend Sunday morning, and I said, here, grip, grip. He, of course, he's over the top. He's an amateur. And I said, here, grip my index finger, how tight you're gripping it. And I said, all right, now the other hand. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's like you're choking a rattlesnake. You know, relax. <laughs> and and here's, here's what you can do with anybody. Two things. Number one, you want to see how tight somebody grips a golf club. All you got to do is waggle. You can tell on TV, you can tell from 20 yards away. If they grip it and, and waggle real fast, a la Nick Price, Tom Watson, they're choking it. And, and the other thing is how you can prove it, just have somebody grip a golf ball on the practice tee, say grip this tight and try to throw it, and they'll throw it right in the ground. Whereas if they grip it light, you know, they throw a beautiful ball. So you, ha you have to, you know, there's a saying in martial arts, um, relaxed muscles are fast muscles and strong muscles. And, uh, I think, I think he, you watch, you look at Tiger. He, he looks like you could pull the club out of his hand. I watch it with a lot of young players. They have a light grip pressure. I do love that. I just don't like the fact that, you know, one thing that's never changed in the game, doesn't matter how fast or slow you take it away, the club has to come to a total stop reroute, change directions, and go again. And from that reroute or the start of the downswing, they're trying to go from a zero to 120. And it's like, oh, my God, give me 80%. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Some of, Tiger Woods can't hit Lake Oconee where I live with a golf ball, you know, with a driver. It was like I've told people if this guy drove it 120th as straight as me, he'd have won 300 turns. You know, it's just crazy, but of course he, he. It's like I was telling Bubba Watson a couple of years ago, and with some people around at a Bulldog Golf Day in Georgia, I told him I said, "Bubba, I can still hit it as far as you. I just got to hit it twice." <laughs> That's great. Uh, Tim, you talked about your putting and how you wished, you know, if you could have just putted a little bit better. I, you know, I also read that that was sort of one of your big regrets with uh, respect to mechanics of the game was that your putting became too mechanical. Is that accurate? Is that what happened? Did you just got too much into the mechanics of the putting and not just stepping up and uh, putting the ball in the hole? You are 100% correct. And uh, gosh, almighty, as much as I love Bob Rotella, he's like a big brother to me. We would argue and argue and argue about it, you know, and I'd say, you don't understand, my hands are shaking. 
you know, and he's like, Timbo, everybody's hands are shaking. I'm like, I'm the only guy out here with Lyme's disease. I got a neurological disease. I'm not worried about three putting. I'm worried about knocking it in the lake, you know, but I think if I, it, Chris, if I had my career to do over again, I would do, I would do two things. I would, I found something three or four years after I retired about three years ago, I, I found something that it was something mechanical that was wrong since I was 14 years old in my stroke. And the first stroke I did it in the bedroom, I'm like, I cannot believe I was that stupid. But the other thing I would change, I would never listen to anybody that said I couldn't putt. It was like they had a patented line from the time I got on my on TV the first time on the PGA Tour until I retired from the Champions Tour. They'd say, Tim Simpson. Great iron player, best ball striker in the world, can't putt. And you start believing you can't putt. And ironically, going back to keeping the conscious mind quiet, what I did so well, tee to green, buddy, that thing cut on like bright lights, you know, my conscious mind when I got over the putter. Instead of Rotella used to say, Timbo, there's only two things you can do, go in or miss. Just relax and hit it. So... Anyway, I, you know, we all yeah. wish we had takeovers. I wish I'd never believe or listened to, to them saying I couldn't putt. But if you think about it, they have to make an excuse why you're not winning 15 times a year. You know, it's like I remember, uh, uh, oh, I'd been on tour three or four years before I ever got paired with Ben Crenshaw. We were friends, but I'm saying he shot the easiest 65 I ever saw, and he wasn't making 40 footers. And we're going off 18T at the Phoenix Open. And I said, Ben, where the heck do they get this? You can't hit it. And he just started laughing. And he said, I don't know. But he said, you know, you remember I won my first tournament on tour, and then I went in a terrible slump for a couple of years. And he said, that's what it was. He said, everything I read, everything I heard talked about how bad I hit it. And, um, you know, everybody can't be a Tiger Woods and do everything, you know, just like Superman. And, um, you know, it, it all comes down to one thing. And I tell amateurs this week in and week out. If you're seeing somebody on TV on Saturday and Sunday, they have run the tables with the putter. There are guys eight and ten shots back that have no doubt hit it better. They just lift them out and hung them on the lip. And people always pick on Jordan Speed. What's happening to him? I don't know. You know, he played so great last year, and now he's messing with his swing. No, he's not messing with his swing. He's just not making two putts around over 20 feet and 90% under 9 or 10 feet. You know, and, and you know, he goes a couple of months, and all of a sudden here comes the putter back, and there he is winning again. And that's the way it is with everybody. You know, unless you've got just astounding talent like, Tiger or Dustin Johnson and stuff where they can have their C game and finish top 10. And if they kick in a few putts, well, it's a win. Tim, before I let you go, I want to ask you about a couple of tournaments that one that you won and one you were right there in your second PGA tour win, I believe came at the 89 USFNG classic. You won it by two strokes over Greg Norman and Hal Sutton. And when I think of you and yeah. Hal Sutton, boy, I think, but there are two guys, built very similarly, seemed like they had a very similar mindset, two guys tough as nails. What do you remember about battling Hale and then that golf tournament? 
Um, are you talking about uh, New Orleans? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. Well, I was paired with Greg the last day, and Rotella and I came up with a great, great game plan the night before. He said, is your wife down there? And I said, no, she's at home. He said, I said, I got a couple of friends down here. He said, well, except the fact there's going to be two people pulling for it in the gallery. Everybody's going to assume Greg is going to win, you know, because he's number one in the world. He was Tiger Woods in. And it was amazing. We can't, he said, just be patient and play your game. And it comes around to like number 14, 13 or 13, I guess it was 14. And we both hit it right over the top of the pen, about 20 feet long. And he was about an inch outside of me. Same line. I had to move my coin. And he missed the putt, but I got a good read off of it. And I center cut it to take the lead. And the momentum of the gallery went 180 degrees toward me. And it was like it took the, the, the wind out of his sails. Then the next hole I made, or two holes later, I made birdie. Then 16, I hit the pin with my second shot. And it, it was all over but the grind. Uh, the U.S. Open in 1990 was the heartbreaker. It's the one that still I wake up with night sweats thinking about. You know, I set the course record there at Medina. I became the first player in history to get to nine under in U.S. Open competition. And it was the same thing, Chris. I missed seven putts under four feet the last two days. I didn't hit it any wow. different. I mean, I, I hit it great. And, and I remember my friend Butch Harmon was following Steve Elkington and I the first two days. And I don't, I'm sure Butch doesn't say it anymore, but forever and ever, he said that was the greatest two rounds of ball striking he ever saw which was very flattering coming from Butchie. But uh, you know what? Life goes on. I'm enjoying retirement. I haven't played. I've played nine holes in three years. Uh, I've had three back surgeries, wow. and unfortunately, I can't play anymore. And, and it's tough. It's tough. You know, I feel like uh, an Olympic sprinter that won gold and is respected by his peers, and one day he woke up and he couldn't walk. You know, it's like, it's so easy for me to hit a golf ball and God took that ability away from me. You know, you know, I don't ever care to compete again, even on a state level, but I would love to play with my granddaughters or play with you. If you came to town or friends, you know, it, it, it's tough. Right. So Tim, before I let you go, being a Georgia bulldog, got to get your thoughts. How do you feel about Georgia's football team this year? And is this the year that they get past Alabama and they get their opportunity and win a national championship? I'm liking our chances, and I love the fact that watching the game the other night, they said we got the the biggest line and the best offensive line in the nation. I'm telling you what, it, the, the linemen of the current linemen of Georgia, they can't fit in an 18-wheeler. These, do, I'm talking <laughs> about the back of an 18-wheeler. These dudes <laughs> are men. <laughs> but I tell you, uh, I think if anybody can beat coach Saban other than Dabo it's Kirby Kirby coached with him forever and with all the coaches that that have been under Saban that have gone on to the pros and the head jobs in college he's the only one that Saban cried when he left he said he was like his son so uh I'm a big Bulldog fan uh the weekend of the Notre Dame game in a couple of weeks we've got our Bulldog Letterman's reunion and you'll have guys a lot older than me for God's sakes I'm 63 and that, that'll be there, and and most all the kids from the PGA Tour come back. Bubba and Russell Henley and and all the guys, Chris Kirk, they all come back, and it's a great reunion. And um, you know we got a great tradition on the PGA Tour 
Uh, we've been very fortunate. We put out a lot of great players out there. <clears throat> well, Tim, before I let you go, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, follow you on social media, and then come out and get a lesson or two, perhaps? Well, you can go to timsimpsongolf.com, and uh, I teach, love to teach. I'm the only top ten player, former top ten player of the modern era that teaches. I love to teach. I'm just too old to stand out there all day and do it anymore, but a few lessons here and there is fine. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Tim Simpson on Facebook, and I'm on and off again with it. But uh, And I do motivational speaking. Once again, you can book that through my website or contact me through my website. And uh, it's always a pleasure, Chris, coming on the show, and thank you for thinking of me, buddy. I appreciate you, Tim. Thank you for taking time out of your night to come back. I always enjoy spending time with you so much, so I appreciate the fact that you had to you go through a little bit to get on the show tonight, but uh, you're spectacular, my friend. Just remember two things, Chris. Start the downswing with the legs and pull with the butt of the club with the last three fingers of the left hand. <laughs> you're going to call me and say Absolutely. it's working, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure it is. Tim, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thank you so much, Chris. Bye-bye. See you, Tim. That's the great Tim Simpson, folks. It doesn't get any better than that. Um, go check him out online, Tim Simpson Golf. That's his website. You book a lesson. You can uh, you know, interact with him there. It doesn't do a whole lot on social media, but you'll find him every once in a while on his Facebook page as well. But so many great tips came out of that. I'm going to tell you. The efficient swing, the repeatable swing, 80%, you know, I think is spot on. And that grip, I'm going to try that thing. We'll see We'll see what how that works. I'll let you know. All right, before I get to my next guest, Charlie Fisher, I want to remind you about a couple of our sponsors. Be sure to check out our friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan Iron since maybe the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor. Get a demo iron. they got a demo program. And you get a demo iron of either Fort Worth PTX, new PTX Pro, or their edge irons and take it out on the range and you can compare it to whatever it is you've got. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. So no mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. And they're going to build those clubs to your specifications. And best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their a complete line again of their forged irons, their wedges, their utility irons, their hybrids, their bags, accessories, their new GS53 driver and fairway woods, which are spectacular. All of it, you can find out more information online by going to BenHoganGolf.com. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret that pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter grip pressure. You heard just Tim, Tim Simpson talking about that just a moment ago. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and release the secret that pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, which is the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence, grip golf pride. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back in making his fourth appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Golf Pride Channel Marketing Manager Charlie Fisher. Let me remind you a little bit about Charlie's background. Earned his bachelor's degree in business administration with a concentration in professional golf management. 
from Methodist University, and he got his MBA from the University of Phoenix. He started out as an assistant golf professional at Siwanoi Country Club up in Bronxville, New York, which is a beautiful Donald Ross design course, which was the uh, site of the very first PGA Championship back in 1916. From there, Charlie became the first assistant golf professional at Colasagia Club up in Blue Ridge Mountains in Highlands, North Carolina, which is an Arnold Palmer designed course. He spent seven years with the Akushnik Company in various roles, ranging from consumer test coordinator to product test supervisor. Joined Golf Ride back in 2011 as a territory sales manager. He's ascended up through that organization and, like I say, is now channel marketing manager. And I'm very honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Charlie, how are you, my friend? I'm great, Chris. Thanks for having us back tonight. Ah, it's always a thrill having you as part of the show, Charlie. And I got to tell you, my friend, you got a couple of really nice new grips that I, I want to talk about. And I, I tell you what, I'm a huge fan of the new Blue Star. It's a nice flat front grip for the putter. It's got a nice angled back that, to me, feels a little bit like the Align on your other grips that I've got on all of my irons as well. Boy, I tell you what, I'm a huge fan of that putter grip. Talk about the new Pro Series. Yeah, the pro-only putter grip, honestly, is uh, we're really excited to launch it. I mean, when you think of modernizing um, some of the classic, you know, great shapes um, that have really, you know, dominated the tours over the years, I mean, this was really a chance for us to to kind of peel back the uh, the layers of the onion of what's really happening out there on tour. You know, and the, the truth of the matter is, is you take a look at the top 30 putters on tour, over 20 of them are using these more traditional shapes, and it's like, okay. So why is this? I mean, you know, you see bigger grips and you see a lot of the consumers using bigger grips. But, you know, as with every product that we launch, we really tried to dive in and understand. And the reality is, is these guys, you know, think of think of a surgeon, you know, with a scalpel in his hand. Right. And they really want something that's a little bit smaller, something that, you know, they, they, their hands are closest, their fingers are closest to the instrument. And it really does put that feel, the feel of the putter face uh, and, and the control of the putter face, more importantly, back in back in their hands so we 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 definitely with some uh different materials that we've been able to relaunch this you'll notice that they are slightly larger than some of the the smaller traditional shapes that we used to launch they're a little bit larger so i would say they have more of a mid-size profile and then that uh the material is just a little bit softer so there we we call it finely tuned uh for you know for for the players and what they're looking for And, and you mentioned the blue star definitely it's got that defined ridge in the back and it's at the flat front, yeah. really for those guys that like their palms to face each other and to be able to feel, you know, they can kind of lock in like you talked about in their fingers, really helps keep their palms facing each other and keep that club face square. So we're excited about it. Yeah, and that, yeah, absolutely. Like I say, and I've, and I've got the blue star, I'm holding it right now as we speak, and I do. I, I love how it fits the palms on either side. I kind of got the ridge on the bottom that helps me right, you know, sort of in the, in the finger joints, and then that nice big flat front. Again, getting my thumbs kind of nicely on it so that, yeah, that I can square the putter that much better. Talk about that. That's, you know, Charlie, we were talking a little bit about this with Tim Simpson about putting and being mechanical with putting. I think one of the areas that many of us, and by us, I mean we amateurs that are out there on the weekends playing, part of the places that we struggle, particularly with our putting, is, you know, we, we, we get the putting yips, right? We're, we're leaving it short. We're leaving it on the low side of the hole. I feel like this grip, allows me to keep the the putter face much more square than a traditional grip. Talk about the ability that now with the new Pro Only series to be able to keep that connection to it, keeping the putter face more square. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chris, it's funny. I mean, we have the Tour Sensor series, which is a larger is a larger profile putter grip, and there's no question that there are certain guys prefer a larger feel 
and it also helps your hands fit into a certain position. And, you know, that's the thing with putting. It's such a personal, you know, choice in, in the way that we grip the club and the way that we do things. So we definitely, I mean, we have the, the tour sensor, which has been phenomenal for us. Uh, it, it's super successful. But, you know, there is that golfer that kind of like that, that craftsman, you know, that, that wants to feel you know, feel the hammer in his hands and wants to feel the scalpel, as I mentioned with the surgeon. And so with that said, I mean, for me personally, I've always been that, that smaller ping style butter grip, you know, that we made uh, guys like Tiger Woods or Ricky Fowler use something similar with, you know, with the Scotty Cameron logo on it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that I've always, I've always preferred that smaller. And there is a generation of guys that have grown up playing that. And there's a new generation of guys that are still playing that smaller, you know, that smaller profile. You look at Brooks Kepka, uh, you know, Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy just won the, the, the FedEx championship. And those are golf pride grips with an OEM, uh, you know, our, our OEM partners, um, you know, work with us to make these grips that are, that are shaped specifically for the needs of that, of that product that they're developing. So, um, that's something that we're really proud of. I mean, you know, uh, to, to speak to that, if you look at the, the number of putter grip wins on tour this year, I mean, golf pride OEM branded product. We've had over 50, you know, and then we've had golf pride specific product as well. You know, we've had, you know, uh, I'm sorry, a couple of those as well. And it's, it's just when the best players in the world are looking for that seal and that closest to, you know, you think of the control of the shaft and the control of the putter face and the control of their stroke. These guys are dialed in. I mean, um, to, to kind of reference, uh, what, you know, what, uh, our product manager, Bruce Miller talks about, you know, he's, he's talking about like, this is, this is the true, this is the, you know, the, the stick shift, the manual, the auto, you know, versus the automatic uh, transmission. Uh, and, and guys that are putting with these really have control of their vehicle and uh, they know what they're doing. So what it does, and, and you think about it, the far the bigger the grip gets, the farther your hands get apart. You know, so when you have something, when you have the grip that's a little bit smaller, right, your hands are actually working more together. And when your hands are working together and your palms, regardless of if you're using a claw grip or a, a left hand low or a, a right hand low, putter, you know, grip. The more that you can get your palms kind of facing each other, the more that they're going to be in sync with the club face. And it helps, helps it stay, you know, as, as you're coming, as you're swinging, uh, you're, as you're making your stroke, it just helps it just get, get more square to, to the line that you set up on. And that's, and that's really it. Charlie, I want to switch gears a little bit because you've got a new tour micro suede grip that I also have here in my hands that, uh, is a little different feel from what I'm used to, but it really feels nice and comfortable. In the hand, it's a little tacky, but not too tacky. Talk about what's different about this grip. Chris, I'll tell you, the Toro Wrap Micro Suede is, it is honestly one of my favorite grips. Not only is it, it's a stunner from a distance. I mean, this gray look with this kind of matte finish with the gloss internal and, and inside the, the wrap lines there. Um, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful grip. Uh, I am partial. Um, with that said, from a performance standpoint, this thing is serious. It's, uh, it's definitely, you think of the Toro Wrap grip, the Toro Wrap, the Toro Wrap family of grips have been our, uh, you know, one of our top families, you know, ever. Uh, the original Tour Wrap came out in 1991, I believe, um, and really was one of the first wrap grips that we had had since we had had, you know, leather grips years ago. Um, but when we launched the Tour Wrap, it was a success, a huge success. We relaunched it with this tackier finish in about 2010, and it's just continued to grow. I mean, it's just, you know, with the different colors that we've launched. But this Tour Wrap Microsuade, let me tell you, I mean, you know, of all the benefits of the Tor Wrap, for the guys that like the wrap style grip, we have the Tor Wrap. We have the CP2, which has the same wrap. So we have two grips in, in our product families that have, in our portfolio, that have a wrap style of grip. But it's like, okay, we've got these wrap style grips. We know that consumers like these wrap style grips. 
what are some of the, the pain, you know, the pain points that, you know, we're hearing from consumers and the reality is it's like these things are great, you know, and, and kind of dry conditions or, uh, you know, in just normal conditions, just, you know, or even slightly damp conditions. But man, when it rains, they get a little slick. And for us, it's like, all right, how can we kind of help solve this problem for the consumers? Benefits of, you know, a traditional buff grip, like, uh, you know, most of our core, all of our core grips are buff. Tour Velvet's buff. Tour Velvet's our number one grip plate on tour. So how can we take some of those characteristics, all weather playability, and, and bring it to this rap style grip that we know consumers love? And so that's really what we did. Um, you know, we, we have a proprietary, uh, buffing, um, compound that we, uh, that we use basically when we do this, when we, when we finish the product. And really what it is, it's, it's a finishing process. It's a certain medium that we use when we, when we actually buff, just buff the grip. But it's allowed us to, to not get, uh, too, too, too deep, uh, into, because when, again, when you're buffing it, you're roughing up the edges, the surface of the grip, and you're exposing that grip. And that's something that, not that we really, we didn't really want to expose you know, too, too much. We wanted to keep that velvety feel. And, um, and, and with this grip, I mean, we really hit a home run. Uh, when you look at it from all the consumer testing that we've done and just the, the initial, uh, the initial reaction that we've seen social media, uh, just the reaction, the feedback from consumers, from our retail partners. I mean, it's, it's, it's really been great for us. So, and it, and it filled a major gap in our portfolio. So. And, and Charlie, you, you mentioned you guys hit a home run. And not only did you guys hit a home run, you guys hit a grand slam because I don't know if everyone is aware out there, but Golf Ride being the number one grip on tour is certainly that. You look at Rory uses the Tour Velvet cord grips back, so does Tiger, so does Brooks Kepka, so does U.S. Open champ Gary Woodland. Open champion Shane Lowry uses the Tour Velvet grips. I mean, everybody that's out there winning is using Golf Pride grips. Boy, when you look at Winning the Grand Slam, but you guys certainly did that. Talk about it. I mean, that's got to make you guys go crazy, you know, at the office, you know, knowing that uh, every time there's a major champion and a winner pretty much on any of the tours, oh, by the way, they're using your grip. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, Chris. I mean, we have a weekly tour report that comes out internally, and, and it's one of those things we do. We take a lot of we take a lot of pride in it. I mean, you know, the hard part, I'd say the hard part is, you know, we don't pay for endorsements. We don't pay people to use our product and every single week. You know, we have over 80% of the guys playing. I mean, I think if you look at the Corn Ferry Tour uh, this past week, I think we had uh, 84% of the players using our product. 86, I think, is really where we finished up on swinging the product for the year and um, the, the full PGA Tour season. Um, and that's not, you know, that's not something that, like, you know, in winning the Grand Slam, you know, that's that's another, that's a huge win. I mean, that's huge to say that you had your product in the hands of every single player uh, that won the majors this year. Um, obviously, the FedEx champion. I mean, that's that's a huge, huge thing for us as well. And we're proud of that. Um, you know, but it's, it's one of those where we're, we, 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 we recognize it internally. Um, uh, we definitely want to, want to tell people about it. Um, but we also, you know, take it as a challenge as to how can we, how can we keep repeating, you know, and it's like, how can we keep doing this? How can we keep up in the game? How can we keep bringing things and whether it's the product and innovation and technology to our product, whether it's service to our tours, to our retail partners, to the consumer, how can we keep bringing product like a tour rep microsuade? To the consumer where it's just like, Hey, look, we're here. You, we hear what you're saying. This is, this is what we want to give. We want to keep giving you product that you want and product that you need and product that you don't even know that you need or want yet. So that's really where we're at. <laughs> yeah. To your point, Charlie, right? I mean, yeah, you guys are dominating, but you can't rest on your laurels because the moment that you do, that's when you get, you know, you start to fall behind. So talk about some of the other things. What are, what are some of the feedback? And I know you can't give us too much of a glimpse into the future, but 
what what's some of the other feedback that you guys are working on to try to take yourselves, you know, even to new heights next year? Well, I'll tell you, Chris, it's it's one of those things where we have, you know, it's like every time we come out with a new Align or every time we come out with a new Plus 4, you know, the feedback is, is well, what if you put the uh, put the Align product on this? Or what would happen if you, you put this in a Plus 4 profile? And so it's one of those where we're, we're, we're always looking at the technologies that we have. We're looking at different materials, uh, whether it's, whether it's how can we make something uh, more durable? How can we make something more UV resistant? How can we, so all those are, all those are characteristics, but more or less, like from a performance standpoint, you know, the first thing, what's the first thing a golfer recognizes when they pick up a grip? Feel. How does it feel in their hands? So, yeah. uh, that's the main thing. The second thing is, is like, okay, so what's happening throughout the swing? Is there, do they have, is, is there, uh, you know, characteristics, um, uh, regarding torque, you know, is the club, is the, is the grip stable in their hands? So you take like a CP2 and so we have a control core at the top of the grip. It's literally built inside the grip. Zoomers don't see that, but it's in there. It's more or less to help control the torque in the top, in the top, uh, in, in your, uh, lead hand so that there's not a lot of twisting up there in that butt end. So we're always looking at like, how can we, you know, come up with stuff that benefits the consumer, that feels good, that plays well, uh, you know, and, and, you know, like the tour at Microsuede plays well in all conditions. And, you know, looking at the pro only, uh, the pro only series, I mean, you know, I think <clears throat> as we take a step back and it's like, okay, you know, yeah, consumers are, you know, putting is something that people probably don't spend as much time on as we all know, uh, as much as they do on the driving range because the, the big drive is, is the biggest thing. And, um, you know, I think, I think Tim Simpson alluded to it when he was on the phone. He was just like, the guys that you see on Saturday and Sunday are doing what? They're the guys who are making the price right. on the weekend. And, um, so that's, you know, we're, we're trying to stay focused on every element of the game, uh, and making sure that we've got something that uh, the guys can, can vomit with that's going to last them, that's going to feel good in their hands. And then we want to make sure that they're able to make those pods. So, um, what's new for us? Uh, I think we're, we're diving into every, uh, every, every single one. If you look on the chalkboards at, uh, at Golf Pride HQ, um, Global Innovation Center, honestly, Chris, like, I mean, there, there's a map of, of everything. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I think we've, we've got a pretty, uh, well mapped out innovation cycle where we know where we want to be in, in, in three years and five years and seven years. I can tell you, like, these are things that, like, we've got mapped out. We have to cover our boards when people come into our facility because we're, we're looking at this <laughs> stuff every day. <laughs> so, along, you know, you mentioned something a moment ago, you know, a line. Can you get a line on this? And, and Charlie, you know what a huge fan I am of the MCC Plus 4 Align grips. I've told this story when you've been on the show before, and I've told it when other people have been on the show. Some of the club fitters that have joined me is, you know, boy, when I got my new set of irons, the first thing I did with my new set of irons, as I grabbed some of the MCC plus four aligned grips, went up to the PGA Tour Superstore and said, hey, can you take these grips off and put these grips on on a brand new set of irons? Because that's how much I believe in those grips. So as I talk, as I talk about, you know, wanting a line on things, because I love those grips, as I like the, you know, the pro only uh, putter grip that feels like it's got the align in it. Are there some other things or some other improvements that could be done to the align technology that could take that to the next level? Well, you know, the Align technology, we, what we did with that is, um, we, we literally made it, took it to the absolute legal limit. Now, there are textural changes that we can, we can make with that, with that technology to, to make it stand out. But I'll tell you, I mean, it's definitely people, if you, if you've, if you've never felt a rib grip before and you put on the Align, um, there's no question that you can feel not only the raised ridge, but the textural change as well. And, um, listen, I think, I think that anything is fair game, um, without, without, 
without sharing too much, I think that uh, I think that anything from any of our product lines is fair game with the Align. Um, it's really been uh, I would say that it's it's surpassed our own expectations. Um, not that we we did have high expectations for it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think when you look at uh, OEM partners that have literally put the Align product on their um, on their products on their stock clubs, uh, you know, I think that that's pretty telling. Um, you know, when you walk into a retailer like PGA Tour Superstore and you look at drivers and and fairways uh, from multiple partners and you see the Align technology, you see the the strip on the back of the grip. That's telling. You know, our OEM partners see the benefit in it. They're doing their own testing. I promise they're doing their own testing. I spent several years with an OEM doing testing. Uh, so I can tell you that these are all things the consumers are giving them the feedback. The performance is there, um, you know, with, with the Align. And I've shared some of those uh, stats with you before. I mean, in terms of, you know, uh, the, the, the distance closer to the target line that an Align versus a round grip provides. Uh, it's it's quite significant with both an iron and a driver. So, um yeah, and it helps. It helps golfers feel that club face. It's club face awareness throughout the entire swing, and um, definitely makes it easier to get back to that impact position, uh, knowing where your hands are and where the club face is. Charlie, what events do you guys have coming up for the fall? You guys are always involved in a lot of great things. What do you guys have uh, coming up? Well, I'll tell you, we have had uh, since the opening of our new headquarters uh, in Pinehurst, uh, Chris. We have had a full schedule. It is, it is. Uh, I'll tell you, um, and I do hope that you get to the Pinehurst area at some point, and we can we can give you a tour. There's a lot more to build. I'd say we're probably about 60% complete. But um, you know, with with uh, we are part of corporate sponsors of the North and South Amateur event. Um, they're in Pinehurst. You know, one of the uh, the longest standing amateur events in the world. Um, obviously we just had the USAM in town as well. We've had, we have US Kids Golf and we're partners and we partner well with all of these uh, local organizations and local, um, uh, courses to, to make sure that, you know, hey, we have, whether it's players, uh, whether it's just hosting events there for, uh, for, for tournament volunteers and sponsors and rules officials and players. I mean, I can't tell you, uh, the, some of the, some of the neat players that we've got, gotten to host through, uh, through our facility. And, I cannot wait until the facility is built out yet and we have a retail experience and we have uh, a fitting experience. Uh, it's really going to make, uh, make things a lot more special, but, um, there's a lot happening in Pinehurst and, um, you know, obviously we have the, the, the fall season coming up. I know our tour team, uh, they're coming in here in the next couple of weeks and, and, uh, going to, going to be amping up and checking out all the new products for 2020 and, and, uh, Figuring out what uh, what we're gonna take out take out the tour here soon. So I know they're excited. We're excited, and um, there's no uh, no shortage of things coming through coming through the pipeline at Golf Pride uh, at all from a product standpoint or just from an event standpoint. <laughs> Not at all. No doubt. No doubt. Charlie, let remind our listeners again how they can stay up to date with all the great things you guys are doing, whether it's on your website or it's on social media. Absolutely. You know whether it's uh, consumer promotions that we have, we're constantly running consumer promotions. You know, we're, we're really, uh, as, as much as we, as much as we possibly can, we want to make sure that we're getting, uh, consumers testing our product. We have tester programs, uh, on, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Golf Pride Grips. Um, you can follow us hashtags at Golf Pride, or just hashtag Golf Pride and hashtag, uh, Golf Pride Grips. Um, always a, a good way to see what, what club builders and consumers are putting on their products. I, those are those are a couple of my favorites to to just look at personally, um, but but always uh, Instagram, uh, 
Twitter and Facebook are, are where we are, I would say, most prolific in terms of uh, interacting with consumers. And, and that's something we do. Our team does a really good job of is, is interacting with consumers when there's questions and they need, you know, feedback or anything like that. We're always uh, as quick as we can re- replying. So. Well, Charlie, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and, and be a part of the show and keep us updated with all the great things you guys are doing. Again, the pro only series. Love those for my putter. And, uh, and the new tour wrap micro suede is an outstanding grip. Got that one sitting in my hands right now. Feels great. And I'm sure it's going to be great on the irons and the, the people are going to have, you know, a lot of great feedback for you guys on both of these things. So as things continue to progress and you guys continue to come out with more stuff, I hope you come back and share what uh, the latest and greatest is with us. Chris, we always will. We appreciate you. We appreciate all you do uh, with our brand and for our brand. And, and uh, yeah, we always look forward. We we'll, we relish any opportunity we have to come on next on the tee. Nah, I appreciate Thanks you very much, us. Charlie. Take care, <laughs> my friend. Be safe up there, by the way. I hope the, the you know I know you guys are a bit inland, so hopefully the the hurricane stays way well, well offshore for all of our uh, all of our listeners and for everyone in that area. But uh, you guys stay uh, nice and dry. Hope everything goes well. Thanks, Chris. We appreciate you, and we we hope the same for all of, uh, for all the golfers there along the East Coast. And everybody. Thanks, Charlie. Take care, my friend. We'll catch up soon. All right. Bye-bye. See you, Charlie. That's Charlie Fisher. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, folks, uh, like I said, I've got both of those grips in my hand. I got the pro only series. I've got all three versions of that. And the, and the, uh, and the tour wrap micro suede is another great, great grip. And, uh, like I said, I'm a big tour, uh, uh, with the, with the align technology. But if you like a wrap feel, and it's got just a, just enough tackiness to, to keep you, you know, feeling good. I, I highly recommend it. Go check it out. Uh, PGA Tour Superstore's got them. You'll be able to check it out and give it a feel for yourself. Make sure to see if that's a great feel for you and get them on your irons and your woods. All right, before I get to my next guest, Tom Patry. And, you know, folks, Tom is an absolute gem. I, I, I want to remind you about one of our good friends, and it's they're, they're over at Positive Vibes Golf. Check them out online at PositiveVibesGolf.com and give them a follow on Twitter at PVibesGolf. Their head covers and putter covers are a very unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts. Talking about that a lot on the show tonight, right? Keep your mind positive. It's a great course training aid to, you know, just to do just that. When you look at them, you see them, you can't help but have a smile on your face and keep your mind in the right place and in uh, playing great golf and feeling good about yourself and, and moving on to the next shot, whatever that is. Go check out what I mean. Check out their putter covers. Check out their head covers online at PositiveVibesGolf.com. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is what I like to start calling him now is our resident director of golf instruction, Tom Patry. Tom is a Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor. He served this summer as a director of instruction at the Hawthorns Golf and Country Club up in Fishers, Indiana. Shortly, he'll be headed back down to his home, his winter home in Naples, Florida, for his winter residency. Go visit him at Esplanade Golf and Country Club to sign up for golf lessons and, and you know, a myriad of things that Tom does. Check out his website, TomPatry.com. Subscribe to his newsletter while you're on there. And like I say, get yourself ready for winter golf by getting some lessons and uh, getting that all teed up for yourself. He should be back down there in the not-too-distant future, and I'm always glad he is a part of this show. Good evening, TP. How are you, my friend? Chrissy boy! <laughs> How are you, TP? Unbelievable. Well, before I get too unbelievable, I, I just want to give a shout out to all my friends in South Florida, Chris, and, and especially to our friends over in the Bahamas. I've just been watching the TV all night here and, and the, and the film and the pictures from, 
from the Bahamas is just it, it just rips your heart out. It's just unbelievable what those folks have gone through, yeah. and and it's it's a uh, it's not pretty at all. And I, I can't even imagine when the smoke clears how many people there have lost their lives. And and as this thing barrels up the east coast of Florida and heads towards Charleston, I, I just I just hope all our friends on the coastline are are being smart about what they're doing. Yeah, smart and safe, and let's let's hope it. Uh... It uh, just skirts the coast and goes back out to sea, and, and everyone can get on with their lives safe and healthy. But, yes, absolutely, prayers and thoughts to everybody uh, that's been along this path. So hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully when the, when the know, dust Chris, all settles, we can yeah, rebuild. You know, Chris, I've, I've, uh, I've been in four of them and, um, and, and sat through four of them, uh, two on the East Coast and two on the West Coast of Florida. And, and for people that aren't from Florida or don't, understand hurricanes they just don't understand the intensity and the power of these things and it's just uh it's it's just it's just incredible the damage they can do and and the light they can take in an instant yes no doubt tom um lot to get into with you tonight and i want to start you know here we are tour championship is now in the rear view and and years gone by right then we talked a little bit about this with tim simpson but you know we start to get into silly season here right the skins game would happen we'd have the wendy three tour challenges the stuff the shark shootouts those sorts of things but now we have a wraparound season so the 2020 season starts oh by the way next week up at the Greenbrier. what do you think about the wraparound concept good bad too much of a good thing what do you think yeah chris i'm not i'm not a fan of it i just i i think we talked about this once before but we we talked a little bit about players not getting a break and players not being home and being able to decompress, players not being with their family, players not being able to rest their bodies. For the young players, putting a lot of pressure on them to perform right away and, and get, a, get a quick start and just have no downtime. The kids that came off the Corn Ferry Tour and, and got their cars now are jumping right out there right away. They've just come from their tour championship, basically, and now they're jumping into the Greenbrier, the ones who have cards now. And they're they're you know they're just under the gun right away again without any breather. I, I don't, you know, I understand why it happens. Money drives the vehicle, but I, I don't like the fact that these guys don't have any downtime and don't have any time back home and time to decompress. Um, I'm not a big fan. I was a huge fan of the silly season. I thought the skins game was fun. You know, the shark shootout basically still goes on in Naples, Florida every year. It, it's it's a fun event. Um, you know, those types of things were, were always fun. I, I, you know, I, I always look forward to Thanksgiving weekend putting the Skins game on, you know, and, and seeing Arnie and Jack right. and then it became, it became Freddie and, you know, and Trevino played. And, and it was, that was a fun thing to watch. I looked forward to that. And it wasn't really serious golf, but it was fun golf. And it was, it was kind of our, our downtime to kind of decompress and smile and kind of laugh a little bit and have some fun. And we don't really have that anymore. And, and uh, I, I miss that myself. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm too old fashioned. Maybe I don't understand the X's and O's and the, and the dollars and cents, but uh, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the wraparound at all. So Tom, looking ahead to a little bit later this week on Friday, voting closes for the PGA tour player of the year award. And there are four nominees. You got Brooks Kepka who won three times, including the PGA Championship for a second year in a row, who also got Player of the Year honors from the PGA of America, from your, from your peers, right? Voted him uh, their Player of the Year, and of course they would because he won back-to-back PGA Championships. But he also won a WGC event in Memphis, finished second at the Masters in the U.S. Open, fourth at the Open Championship. So three wins, three second-place finishes, nine top tens, and 21 events. You got Rory McIlroy, 
also nominated, who won the Players' Championship. We know he won the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup. He also won the Canadian Open. He finished second earlier this year at the WGC in Mexico. So he's had 10 top 10 finishes in 19 events. And then you've also got a couple other guys nominated, Matt Kuchar and Xander Schauffele, who both had nice seasons. But there's no way either one of those guys is going to win. So who do you think? Who deserves the PGA Tour Player of the Year, Rory or Brooks? Well, I think it comes down to, Chris, you know, do, you put, do you put more weight on major championships or do you put more weight on consistency? Uh, you know, Rory had an incredible year. I mean, to have that many top tens and that few of number of events and win the Players' Championship and win the FedEx Cup um, <laughs> is a pretty special year. Uh, and then, and then Brooksy goes out and, and has a heck of a year in the majors. But really, you know, with the exception of the WGC, he was a little, you know, not, I wouldn't say he was absentee, but, you know, from a consistency standpoint, week in and week out, he didn't really do what Rory did. So, you, you weigh, you weigh the majors heavier or do you weigh consistency long-term, long-term golf, you know, heavier? I, I, it's a toss-up. It's a, it's a hard one. Uh, the PGA of America, you know, you know, we had to vote, had to vote Brooks in because of the two PGAs, right? They, you know, you know, that was a slam dunk. That wasn't going to, that wasn't going to happen any other way. But, you know, the guys out there, they'll make the right choice. You know, they're out there week in and week out. The players will vote on this and they, they know what goes on week in and week out and, and who, who's played in their mind the best golf. So I trust them to vote the right guy in and whoever they vote in, I'm good with because again, they're out there week in and week out and they see these guys, they play alongside them and, and they know, they, they know who's played the best golf overall for the course of the year. So I don't know what's going to happen. I, I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, I wouldn't even mind if they're in, a, you know, if there was a co, there's a co-player of the year, if, if they voted them both, you know, I mean, could it happen? I don't know if that even mathematically can happen or they can do that. But, uh, but they both had crazy good years in, in different ways. Uh, and, and they both made golf very exciting again. I think, you know, Kepka, you know, is, is very exciting. Every time you turn on a major, you're looking to see what he's going to do. And, and Rory's kind of, you know, reinvented himself here a little bit this year and gotten back on track. Um, really, really good stuff. Really good stuff. So I, I'm not really sure what's going to happen, Chris. What do you think? Um, if, if I had a vote, I would vote for Brooks. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a majors sort of guy, you know, and, and to your point, Every time yes, we're watching are. a major, yes, he's the guy we're looking to see where's where's he at. And you know, and by his own admission, right? Earlier this year, he doesn't. You know, when you see him playing golf and it's not a major, it's when he's playing in a tournament. He's not practicing. He's not doing other things. He's only practicing for majors. But yet again, three wins. You know, nine top tens. Not bad. So yeah, oh, yes. I, I would I would lean Brooks's way. No, I, I have no, and I have no. If that goes that way, I have no problem with that. I think. I think, uh, you know, I, I think when you look back 10 years from now, historically, you look back at Rory's year and say, how did he not be, how is he not player of the year, you know? But I mean, but, but you're right. I mean, I think the majors are majors and they're special. I think, I, I don't like the fact that WGCs and I don't like the fact that the FedEx Cup has taken weight off majors. I don't like that. I think, I think the weight should be on the majors. I think the point system should favor the majors. Uh, I think majors are majors and I, I don't think, you know, with the schedule as compressed as it is now, Chris, with, you know, a major every month and a WGC thrown in there and then you have the FedEx Cup points going on, I, I just think it's too much. I just think there's too much going on there. I think it, it detracts from the majors a little bit and, and I don't like that. So I, 
I'm with you on, on majors being majors and being important. I, I, I understand that opinion and I respect it 100%. Tom, I, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of team competitions that we have coming up here over the next few weeks, right? We have, we got the President's Cup and then we got the Solheim Cup. And let's start with the President's Cup. And the question that's sort of out there on everyone's mind is Tiger Woods going to pick himself as one of his captain's picks. So do you think Tiger did enough with his win at the Masters to deserve to be a part of the team? No, I don't think so. And I would be very surprised if he picked himself. I think that would be, I'm not sure if that's good PR at all. And I don't think, I think he realizes that, you know, the second half of the season, he was, he was basically absentee. You know, he had a couple of nice finishes, but nothing special. And, and for periods of time there, he disappeared and, 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 you know, and, and didn't play very well, really, by his standard or by, or by tour standards. Uh, listen, you can't take anything away from that Masters victory. It was special. It was an unbelievable moment in golf history. It was the comeback we all kind of waited for. Um, you know, he was the knight, and he was the knight on the white horse, running in and, and saving the day. You know, and, and picking golf up off its off the off the mat and putting it back up on on the pedestal again. So, you know, I, I think that uh, the Masters, you can't take anything away from the Masters victory. But you know, I, to pick himself. As a President's Cup player and captain, um, based on the second half of his year alone, I, I just don't think he can do it now. Let's talk about the Solheim Cup, and that's coming up in, uh, at Glen Eagles over in Scotland, and it's the LPGA's version of the Ryder Cup, U.S. versus Europe. But it, it isn't the U.S. and the European players out there dominating the LPGA Tour. It's more the Asian players. So... Would it be better, Tom, to have like a U.S. versus Asia sort of cup, or is it really time to have sort of a President's Cup version for the on the women's side so that you can get a, a U.S. versus the world, which obviously I think would be dominated by Asian players? Well, if you had U.S. versus the world, it would be dominated by Asian players, and, and namely mostly Korean, um, which which I think would be a, a, a great a great thing for women's golf. I mean, it's a, and I think it should be. They should be that a President's Cup for women should you know give it some credibility right away and 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 expose the great players that they are to the world. Um, I wouldn't like the American team's chances in that competition very much. Uh, just the opposite of what we're seeing on the men's side. The men's side of the President's Cup, you know, we, we kind of dominated the competition, and I don't really understand why, quite frankly, Chris. I mean, because you look at the world team, you know, both both present and past, they've been very very talented squads. And they, they can't get out of their own way. And I don't really understand that. Um, but I think it's time that, you know, the, the girls have, have a version of that and, and they play against the world team. I think, I think they'd be great for women's golf. So speaking of great for golf, so just to touch on what you just said, going back to the President's Cup on, uh, for the men. If the, if the world team won, right? I mean, we just got dominated right in the Ryder Cup last year by the European team. If the world, if yes, the world did. team jumped up, and beat the U.S. team. What would that do to to U.S. golf? Well, I mean, I'm not. You know, listen, I, I I've been a big proponent for a long time. That it's not a U.S. game anymore, Chris. It's it's a world game. I mean, look at the look at the ladies' tour. Look at look at the Korean players. Look at look at Europe. Look at what Europe's produced in the last 20 years. Look at who's come out of Australia. You know, look, look who's now coming out of starting to come out of China. Uh, uh, the game has changed. It's, it's, you know, it's not, we, we dominated this game for so long and we caused, 
in, in a good way, world popularity. So we should really embrace that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, and and by the way, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he got beat. It wouldn't surprise me at all. That that team, if you look at the lineup on that team on the other side, it's pretty damn good. Um, so I don't think it would be an upset in any way. I mean, they're great, great players. But um, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we've got a, a strong team as well, and I, and I hope I hope they I hope the USA prevails. I'm, I'm obviously pulling for the USA, but uh, it's a world game, Chris. It's changed the whole the whole the whole landscape of golf is now different. But you don't think that a, a loss by the U.S. team after getting trounced by the Europeans last year in the Ryder Cup and then coming in and losing to the President's Cup doesn't send the PGA Tour kind of reeling on its heels? No, I really don't, Chris. I, I, I just think, like I said, there's, uh, first of all, I think the Ryder Cup being played overseas as it was last year, right on the heels of the Tour Championship, you know, right at the end of the season when our best players had played basically three or four weeks in a row and then get on a plane and fly to Europe and, and fly to France and, and, and at a venue they really didn't know, I, I think they almost were the sacrificial lamb in, in some respects. Um, I think it goes, again, it goes right back to what you said about the wraparound season. I think the tour has compressed too many things into too short a period of time that these guys are exhausted. They're, they're, they're done. They're spent. They, they, you know, they shot their last bullet. It's over. You know, that, that tour championship ends and they were so pumped up for the FedEx Cup in the playoffs that now they're going to get on a plane and, and fly and do a team competition in France and they, uh, you know, they, they were asleep, man. They were done. They were out cold. I mean, I, I, I didn't like, I didn't like the mojo going in. And now, now listen, if there'd been a month in between, and they had a month of downtime. They had, they had gone home and rested and relaxed a little bit and, and recharged their battery. You know, I'm, I think the outcome could have been different, but but it wasn't different. And, and the schedule, the schedule really has to be really looked at really hard. I think we're really making a huge mistake. There's just no downtime. Tom, before I let you go, I want, I, I got to get a playing lesson from you. And one of the things that we talked about I'm gonna, tonight, I'm going to ta- charge you. I'm going to charge you just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking to Tim Simpson at the top of the show, and it's something that you know you've sort of alluded to throughout the, our conversation around mental capacity and and quieting of the mind and 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 that sort of thing. Tim talked about how that's one of his you know regrets about uh, his career from a putting perspective is he had a quiet mind on the tee and in the fairway. But once he got on the green, his mind lit up like a candle, and uh, and all of a sudden, all the thoughts were going through there, and, and that sort of thing. And you're a great putter, and you always were, you know, through the course of you know the time that you've been playing professionally, and and you're one of the great teachers of a putting stroke. How do you how do you train your teacher, like your junior players and even the adult players, to keep your mind quiet so that it doesn't get in our way and we don't start second guessing ourselves and you know, ooh, do you can't miss this one and all that sort of thing. How do you keep the mind quiet when you're putting? Because yeah, I think that's a really, really good question. A great question, actually. And I, it's something that's dear to me. I mean, I, I'm a big, big believer in process and pre-shot routine. Uh, you know, probably the best pre-shot routine we've ever seen in golf belonged to a guy named Jack Nicholas. Um, and I don't know if you remember him, but he was pretty good. Um, I've and, heard of him. And made more, and, and you know, 
And if you look back at Jack's career, you probably wouldn't call him a great putter, but you probably would call him a great oh. clutch putter. You know, when it really mattered, when, when it really came down to the nitty-gritty, he hold that 10-footer, he hold that 12-footer, he hold that 6-footer. And if you looked at the guy and watched him go through his routine over the course of his, his long career, and, and I'll bet you if you took a, a film of his pre-shot routine in 1963 and took a, pre a film of his, of his pre-shot routine in 1986, and you put it side by side and digitized it, it'd probably be exactly, exactly the same. It would probably have taken the same amount of time, the same steps. His body movements would be, you know, almost, you know, mirror-like, if you will. I mean, that was, I think that was kind of Jack's cocoon. He got in that cocoon and it shut the whole world out. That was his process. And he went through these exact steps and he dialed himself in and the world could have been exploding around him and he wouldn't have known it. And I think that if you watch guys under pressure, um, especially younger players, even really good younger players, you know, they get a little jumpy coming down the stretch. They, they, they skip steps. They rush things. You know, they, they come out of their posture. They, they, they don't really go through the exact same routine leading up to two and reading the putt and, 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 and addressing the golf ball. There's variabilities in their routine. And, and, and I think that that's, that's going to destroy you every time. You've got to have a great process to be a great putter. Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners once again how they can stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing on your website and sign up for your your uh, your newsletter. Sign up for lessons coming up this uh, this fall and winter down in Naples and also follow you on social media. I got one thing before I do that, though, Chris. So you mentioned right. um, Charlie's last interview that he was at Sirenoy and the 1916 PGA was played at Sirenoy. Chris. Yes. For a free playing for a free playing lesson with Tom Patrick, who won the nineteen sixteen first PGA at Silenoy? Do, no, no. do I no get looking. to answer that question or you, you get to answer that question, but no looking. Don't be looking it up on me now. No, I'm not. You. It's Jim Barnes. I can see you. Jim Barnes won. Jim Barnes. You, there you go. Free playing lesson for you. That's it. You're in. <laughs> free playing lesson. Long long Jim Barnes. I got I got a, I got a follow up question. Where was Jim Barnes in Westchester County, New York, not far from Silenoy, the head professional for a number of years? Ooh, uh, now you got Ooh, me. Where? I got, I got a five. Pelham Country Club. Pelham Country Club. Right Pelham Country Club. Pelham Country Club, right down the road from Silenoy. There you go. So there's your trivia for the night. But I'll still give you the playing lesson. You got the first part right. I'm, I'm, still, I'm not going to take that back. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to that now. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. That's okay. You earned it. All so, right. Chris, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all those places, um, obviously. And then my website is just simply TomPatry.com. Um, and on that website, it, is, it hosts my uh, my V1 Online Video Academy, where people can connect, can connect 24 7, 365. They need some analysis of the golf swing. And, uh, and, you know, you know, Golf Tips Magazine, obviously, I'm a, I'm a big part of that, that family, which I'm very proud of. So we're in a lot of different places and it's really easy to find me if you want to. Um, maybe too easy, maybe too easy. Um, but we, we, we you know, we're, the exposure to all of us get because of somebody like you and what you do for the game, Chris, is, is far more important than what we do. You, you bring this, you know, this show every week across the airways and, and you know, in, in, in multiple mediums and, and what you've done for the troops overseas and broadcasting is just fantastic. And and uh, we, we, we really should be thanking you, not you thanking us. 
No, that's not the case, but I appreciate you saying that. I got I got a quick question about your, your website real quick. Again, TomPatrick.com. What's the golf course in the background on your uh, on your homepage? Is that Esplanade? No, that with, with the ocean right there. Yeah, Are you talking about the ocean? <laughs> That's Ponticana. Ponticana. Okay. In the, in the one you talking about with the one that's alongside the sea, the picture with alongside the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Ponticana. So, so a couple of years ago, we did a, a trip for forty people. I took 40 students to Ponticana, and uh, my longtime great friend and great player and great PGA professional, Jay Overton, who played in, I don't know, he probably played in 15 majors as a club pro, is now the director of golf down at Ponticana. He invited us down for, for five days down there with a bunch of people. We had a blast down there. And that picture was uh, was from the Corrales course down there, where they play a PGA tournament, as a matter of fact, the Corrales course. It's a fantastic Fazio golf course right on the ocean. I and mean, if you get a chance, uh, uh, any of listeners out there, any of your listeners, if they contact me via my website and they want to get in touch and, and get a little extra special treatment, Jay, uh, Jay's done some great things for people I've sent down there. It's a wonderful place and he's a wonderful host and, and Jay's probably 70 years old now. I might, I might be, I might get, be getting in trouble saying that, but he still really plays nicely. I mean, like really nicely. Um, it's a great place. Great place. Well, Tom, thank you so much for coming back on the show again. Look forward to getting back together with you in a couple of weeks. In between now and then, my friend, all the best to you and your family. Chris, love being on with you, pal. You're the greatest. And, uh, yeah, I'm on here anytime you want. You know that. And, uh, and let's all say a prayer tonight for all the folks on the, uh, in the Bahamas on, and on the East Coast of the U.S. Indeed. Take care, my friend. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, pal. Good night, pal. See you, Tom. That's a great Tom Patry, P-A-T-R-I, TomPatry.com is his website. Go on there, sign up for his, uh, for his newsletter, and then uh, you have an opportunity there to try to schedule some time, uh, time with Tom when he is back down in Naples at Esplanade. Uh, you can't go wrong, folks. The guy knows absolutely everything there is about the golf swing. He's a, he's, a wonder, he's always been a wonderful straight driver of the golf ball. He's a great putter. And he's going to really fix your game. So go check it out. And like, if you can't get down there, right? You got the V1 piece, send him a video. Let him take a look at, at, uh, at your swing via, via video and, uh, get some tips back from him about how you can, you know, change it up and you don't have to go all the way down to Naples. So for all the folks around the country that can't get there, yeah, you can, you can get there via video. So send him a video and let him take a, take a peek at that as well. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks go out once again to Tim Simpson, Charlie Fisher, and Tom Patry for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net. You can keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like on there. Please also check us out on a couple of websites. Our good friends over at Podbean. Can't thank those folks enough for doing you know, what wonderful partners they are. We've been featured on their app and online there several times, and we can't thank them enough for for their uh, support of the show, podbean.com, go in, go there. Just type us in in the search, uh, right there in the search bar. Next on the T, you'll be able to stream or download any of our archive episodes for free right there. And we also link to them on our website, nextonthetea.net. Check us out on launchpaddm.com and click the subscribe button. We'd really appreciate that as well. Doing great things over there uh, with Launchpad, so we appreciate their support as well. You can stream us on a lot of other sites if you have Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm, uh, Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Play. Anywhere you're streaming podcasts, you'll be able to find us there as well. 
Check us out on Facebook, Next on the Tee with Chris Mascara. Let me know if you've got a question that you would like me to ask on your behalf to any one of our guests, whether it's a future guest or a previous guest. Comment right there on the Facebook page. We'll be sure to get that question answered for you as well. Folks, as always, we can't thank you enough for making us a part of your golfing content. We really appreciate you very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. It's all about the great game of golf.